Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the biggest studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, and keeping with the tradition of at least having one guest per month, we've got a repeat offender, someone I've been dying to sit down and talk with, but he's, fuck, he's busier than I am. Travis Herman is back. Herman, Her- Herman. Her- Herman, see? <laughs> that's it's not okay. a podcast unless that's I fuck okay. up your name. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't blame you. Nobody spells it right either. Well, and to be fair, yeah, because I've got to, I've got your Facebook page up, so I can look right at it, and I'm still like, nah, I can't do it. Travis, of course, has been on multiple times to talk about geeky stuff. We've talked yeah. a lot of nerd stuff. Yeah, I know. This is like a third or fourth time, something like that. I think so. But this is like no con. Right, we're not at a con. Not this time. at a con, so we can sit back, we can relax. I can probe. Ooh, that sounds dirty. Oh, yeah, don't we, probe. Don't probe. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe hug me first. Oh, all right, we'll do that. <laughs> and of course, uh, our common friend Kevin J. Anderson, who I'm sure we will talk about mm. because I know you have been in touch with him, and I'm so because I want to get tra- uh, um, Kevin on, okay, to talk Dune, but he's so freaking busy right now. Have you asked him? I've talked to him briefly, but okay. he's all like back to you and i'm like okay kevin and, and and it's fine but i know i'll run into him again before too long our paths cross too often but in the meantime we will get back to kevin later let us talk to travis who is just the hardest working man in the <laughs> publishing world right now you've got how many books now uh 16 total under various names and things like that because the big one that hit um heart of ronin uh, sort of Ronin, and the latest is the Spirit of Ronin. Yeah, that's the last in the series. Yeah, which, oh my God, I'm I'm absolutely in love with. I think this is this is perfect. This just hits a niche for me. I don't know why. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> so I have a question, and I know the this is totally out of left field, and I haven't even coached you on any of this, so it'll be fun. Um. I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. And and given everything that's going on, how would you do a train heist? <laughs> <laughs> Not like the sand people would. <laughs> I just watched that episode last night, actually. Because <laughs> it's funny to me because you see Solo, who does a train heist. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a train suspended in air. And then, of course, you have the sand people who are just basically throwing themselves in a bullet train. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And praying to God that they hold on. Shoot the engine. Just shoot. I mean, you're all apparently crack shots. Shoot the engine. You can shoot someone through a window the size of a box, but you can't hit, you know, a 10-foot-long jet engine. (laughs) I mean, the entire front half of the train is an intake from all we could see for all intents and purposes. (laughs) Yep. But, I mean, even when you saw the, the sand people during the pod races and, you know, they're sitting up there taking... Taking pot shots. Taking pot shots. <laughs> so what do you think so far? Because I know you're a big fan of the Spaghetti Western and everything. Um, so what are you thinking of Book of Boba and, and Mandalorian and everything that's going I on I love right the Mandalorian. Now? Uh, I, I, and, yeah, yeah, I'm a Spaghetti Western fan, and then the Mandalorian is Spaghetti Western Star Wars, like, top to bottom. Um, and uh, Boba Fett has a lot of the same kind of feel. I mean... 
like I said, I'm only two episodes in right now. Um, so I'm curious to see how it all shakes out at the end. Uh, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it a lot. So when you did all of the, the Ronin series, what were you thinking? Cause I mean, there's so many different elements in it and I, I just love the, the clash and just how you build up the, the world itself. What, what was the process and everything that you went through for like all three different books? Uh, it started out as one book. Um, when I start, when I first sat down and started writing, um, and then, uh, the first real literary agent that gave me any feedback on it, go, uh, uh, read it at a conference once and like, Oh, this is probably two books. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then when I finally sold, when I finished the first book, I was pretty sure by that time that it was going to be three, uh, three total books. Mm -hmm. Um, so it sort of expanded as I grew to understand the story more. Um, because I had the idea from the story from the very beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, people who pay attention to such things, uh, will notice that there is a strong Arthurian, uh, subplot. Right. Uh, and that's intentional. That's kind of where the idea, that's where the idea came from. Okay. Uh, like because I had been watching a lot of uh, Kurosawa films, you know, and, and like Ron, for instance, is is King Lear, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Throne of Blood is Macbeth, and uh, that's perfect actually. And, and <laughs> that I, makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to try the same thing, uh, but with the Arthurian love triangle, you've got mm-hmm. uh, Lancelot, Guinevere, and Arthur, right? And uh, I wanted to play with that in a Japanese setting, and that's that's where that story came. That's where the sort of overall framework of the story came from. So, do you? What do you think is the perfect time period? Because there are so many different elements in the Ronin series, and I know your sp- love for spaghetti westerns and your love for Star Wars. What is the perfect time period? Do you to pl- think? Uh, to depends play on in. to play in. Yeah. Oh God, um, I don't know. I think the important thing is to try and create a story that is fun to play in all by itself. I mean. Uh, if you can make, if you can write a world where the, where readers want to be, not just read about, but right. be, uh, I think then you're in the sweet spot. And uh, I think it can be a lot of different possibilities. I mean, there are, I mean, in the West, we tend to think of Japanese history as kind of monolithic and all the samurai era and, and everything is the samurai era, but it's not. I it's mean, not. Uh, That's such a small... Small blip in right. like the the lineage, and even the you know the thousand years that samurai existed have multiple like shades of what was happening when right, mm-hmm. and it's all it's all related uh, that in ways that cannot be extricated without sort of diminishing what you're talking about. Right um, now, spaghetti westerns were I I love because they took uh, the tropes of an american western and did weird things with them <laughs> and like uh in, in 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 a way that hadn't been done before and uh, star wars took a, took samurai films and did something with them that nobody had done before and sure. uh so i i watched uh the uh the star wars visions the anime series on disney plus and uh and i was really kind of intrigued by how Star Wars had taken samurai stories full circle. Yes. Uh, because if Star Wars started with, you know, ins- was inspired originally by 
you know, Flash Gordon serials and uh, what, uh, what's the name of the movie? The print, uh, pr- uh, crap, can't remember it. Uh, but a samurai movie about a princess. Oh, uh, um, um now all I got is seven samurai stuff. No, it's on the tip of my it's on the tip of my tongue, but damn it, it'll anyway, hit you. It'll come back. Uh, but anyways, but then the anime. You know, through this lens of of Japanese animators, you're all you come all the way around back to start to samurai films again, uh, and and with the first episode, absolutely. I mean, it looks like a Kurosawa film. It does, and I'm sure that's intentional, right? So anyway, uh, I forget where we were going with that, but <laughs> you were talking because you were talking about, <laughs> about time about periods, build, right? yeah, building worlds and what time period you like to play in. But I mean, that's that's a brilliant, that's a beautiful answer, though. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a favorite. I mean, I've written, I've got a near Did future you... cyberpunk novel. I've got, I've got an old, I've got a Lovecraftian horror western. Um, I've written some, you know, fair amount of contemporary stuff. So yeah, because the Hammer depends. Falls is your futuristic one. Yep. And then Death Wind looks. That's, that's the western. That's the western one. So yeah, and then of course your your Ronin series and Rogues of the Black Fury, which I think is just classic. I honestly, you know what? You should send that to Clint. Like, send that to Clint Eastwood so he can just read that bitch and just go, <laughs> okay, I need to do this. <laughs> that would be fun. But that's just my opinion. So, w- when you're building these these intricate worlds, I gotta know, what is the perfect weapon? Is there one that you, like, have to, like, have in the story or you're, like, you know... Because when, when I was writing way back in the day, um, I always had, like, the the wounded fish bar every everything i the wrote what? the wounded fish it was the okay. it was the bar regardless of the time period or where it was, the wounded fish oh that's the name of a bar was the name of the ah, bar okay okay gotcha. so it was always like my staple like i had to go somehow some way yeah you ended up at the wounded fish didn't you yeah <laughs> uh i know probably swords uh, I mean, they've fascinated me from the time I was a kid, you know, and that's why lightsabers are so goddamn cool. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I watched Thundar the Barbarian and the Sun Sword, exactly. Uh, and and the, the the katana is a fascinating piece of it's iconic, um, and for good reason. I mean, uh, to the point where it basically shows up in shows that are not. Uh, oh, that are not contemporary. Oh, I'm because I'm thinking about Babylon Five, and the swords that the Narn used were katanas. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, uh, it's it, historically as a tool of destruction, it's hard to top uh, at close range. So, did you watch? Um, I saw it on Netflix, and I thought of you immediately. Was uh, I think it was like. The, the history of the samurai or the, the world of the samurai. What did you think? Was that... I, I've, it's in my list. I haven't oh, watched I mean, it yet. I figured that would have been yeah, like an immediate yeah. <laughs> go-to for you. Well, it was. I, I just... <laughs> I have, uh, my, my, my media viewing time is sort of carefully curated by, oh, people who are not me. So... <laughs> <laughs> so getting to geek out about uh, samurai, it's in my list, but I just haven't got to it. Yeah, because they even they touched on so many things in there, and they I didn't realize because when I was looking at the dates, how far out of the history Musashi is. He's like the most famous of samurais, but mm-hmm. he comes at the tail end of just like everything. Yep, he's more of a philosopher rather than this this emetic warrior that everybody 
has has kind of painted him as. Well, use winning sixty some duels would probably do that <laughs> to your reputation. True, That's the, which is what he's said to have done. So, uh, but as far as like somebody who he did start out on a battlefield, he did uh, start out because he comes in at the very end of. The the unification war, mm-hmm. or as they join all of the clans together, if I'm right. understanding my history correct. Yes. So and and I would I would love to have I, I was hoping there was more to Musashi, but I was like, wow, that's rather simple. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that uh, and, and since you brought him up, he was one of my sort of he uh, Frank the the movie the movie series the Samurai trilogy mm-hmm. uh, starring uh, Toshiro uh, Mifune. Mm-hmm. That was my hook into samurai films. Um, I ran across those movies when I was a teenager on satellite television, and I believe it was the Bravo Network. And I'm like, <laughs> what? what is this? And uh, I have been a huge fan of those and him as an actor ever, ever since. I mean, Absolutely. And I do just love the I do love Masashi and I love the lore and everything and I, I honestly thought there was more to him than than what history had painted. I was just like, well, that was disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Never research your heroes, folks. Just leads to heartbreak. <laughs> um, so speaking of media and time, you've been you're working on some very impressive projects as far as like TV. What happened with the comic book? Oh, the comic books, uh, I've got uh, the first three issues of Legend of the Ronin uh, out. You can find them on Kindle. Uh, okay. Kindle or Comixology. Um, but um, I'm sort of working on another comic book project uh, that's in this, like, sort of uh, character design stage at this point. But okay. But sort of basing it, basing another comic on a, a short story of mine. Uh and uh, so, yeah, that's as far as the comics go. Because I know, because last time I spoke with you, and this has like already been like over a year because of the blip, um, you were just you were just talking about it and just getting into it and finding your artists and all of that. Yep. And that would have been a dink, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was dink. That's like the last dink. <laughs> which I, fe- I mean, I feel bad because we I saw Charlie since then, and he's all like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think we're coming back." I'm just like, I hope they do because I that was a an awesome little. Comics festival wasn't yeah. I mean, that was fun. It, it had a very like New York art show style Soho kind of mm-hmm. hearty feel to it, and yeah, I don't know. Charlie was going back to Italy last mm. when when him and I talked because he showed up at uh, Colorado Festival of Horror. He came by to say hi. I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Charlie. So I'm glad to hear. So you're into your your third issue. The third issue's out. Yeah. Okay. And how is how is that? Because there's a major leap. People don't understand when it comes to writing comics and writing novels. There's there's kind of a jump, especially when it comes to sequential art and storytelling. Yeah, it's different. Uh, the the uh, it's sort of you can liken it to a halfway point between prose and screenplays because it's still a visual medium, and uh, you know you do your comic scripts typically panel by panel, right? Uh, and uh, uh, and it is, it, as I have adapted that prose story into comics, it did lead me to revisit some things about how to convey, you know, uh, certain bits of information. Uh, because you only get so many words uh, on a comic book page. There's just not room There's no- <laughs> for, 
unless you're just going to cover all the art up, which is a crying shame. Which is horrible. Yeah. So, uh, so it's tough, sort of trying to find that balance between uh, presenting the information, the necessary information, uh, and having it be visually appealing and make sense all at the same time. So, because I do all my lettering too. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so. Yeah, that's that's a skill all in its own. Yes, it is. It's a, it is its own art form. Um, wow. So, yay for Adobe Illustrator. <laughs> yay! So I mean, and because even like, I, and I marvel at some of like the early seventies, sixties uh, and seventies comic books because the art, like Conan, for example, mm-hmm. beautiful artwork, and still there is so much like story packed into mm-hmm. all of that that I'm just I just marvel at how they did it back then versus now. I agree. Uh, I, I, I pick up a lot of comic books now and it's just like, it, you're not reading anything. You're just sort of paging through empty panels of kind of, I don't know. Static? Of, uh, or uh, of, of action that, a lot of thud and blunder but not a lot of story. Yes. You know, uh, I think that's a serious problem especially with some Marvel and DC titles. Um, I don't want to name names, no, <laughs> but it just, it I really do that de- all the time. It really depends. It really depends. Uh, some of them are brilliant and, and others are like, okay, yeah, I'm glad. I, you know, you page through them at the comic store and going, yeah, I'm not going to spend money on that. So, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, the, the digital subscriptions, I'm kind of, I'm almost kind of happier with now because I'm like, well, I'm not taking up space. <laughs> I'm not at the end going, yeah, that's a bunch of rubbish. And, mm-hmm. you know, just tossing it into a box and like, maybe one day I'll flip it or, just it'll just sit there till the end of time. Yeah, I'll sit there until my my heirs uh, fight over uh, it. fight over it <laughs> or this sell is it. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think this has helped your storytelling then by by breaking into and doing comics? Has this helped more on the novel and what oh, you got going man. on the video side? That's a really good question. Help distracted from certainly uh, <laughs> because it takes a lot of time. Uh, like I don't know, for me as you know. With my limited experience, it still takes it takes a lot longer to do certain things like lettering a whole issue. Right. Like it might take me, I don't know, half an hour to an hour and a half, depending per page. Oh wow! Uh, depending on how much text is there, because mm-hmm. um, you got to draw the balloons, you got to lay everything out. It's got to make sense and so on. Um, and that's time I'm not writing new stuff. Uh, but I did it i do it because i love it because i love comics and uh have always wanted to be in comics right i mean some of my earliest writing was comics you know when i was a kid i was drawing spider-man and doctor strange and battlestar galactica and so on so i mean that's like the dream isn't it to Mm -hmm. to be in comics doesn't pay shit but i mean it's (laughs) well there's that too (laughs) (laughs) but there there is that side that's always been the dream and and you know, and I think I've asked you this, but who do you want to write for? Who would be like the one that you're like, would it be Spidey? Comics? Yeah. Oh, God. Probably Conan. Uh, because that was some of my earliest mm-hmm. fans, fanboy stuff right there. Uh, it was, because I love Roy Thomas, like when he was r- writing Conan for Marvel. Right. Uh, for years and years and years, he was the best. It was. Like clearly, and um, those and that first what is it twenty first twenty five issues? Barry Windsor Smith's doing the art. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's just so. Oh, I mean, I don't even think Frazetta could have done 
what Barry did with the uh, Conan. That would have been awesome to, to see him try, though. Would it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said no to it, but I'm just, right, I right. mean, you're looking at that, it's uh, yeah. just like, oh, I would have loved to have seen those two just face off. Mm-hmm. Have you picked up the new King Conan series? No, Marvel? I haven't. Because this picks up the teaser that we got ages ago after Conan the Destroyer, mm-hmm. where Arnie's sitting on the, the throne. Okay. Issue two just came out last week, um, where now we get King Conan stories, and okay. he's got a son, and he's got an heir. And well, I had all the I had a whole I've got a whole run of King Conan when Marvel was doing it mm-hmm. back in the seventies and eighties. Right. Um, uh, I read those too. You know, the, you know the the regular Conan, the King Conan, and Savage Sword. You know, Savage Sword all was those great. Were, but that was more magazine size. It was magazine size and had a whole lot more violence in it. Oh, so, so much more violence. <laughs> it was beautiful. My ba- my dad had no idea. My mom's like, oh, we'll just get you a Conan comic. Brings me Savage. I'm like, oh. What gets me is, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, is I, I don't, I never knew how to say his last name. John Beskima? Beskima? Uh, Beskima, yeah. He like, did, I'm, I don't know if I'm the best and, one to ask about names, but he, yeah. He and Ernie Chan did all of those three titles. Mm-hmm. And they were doing all three of them at the same time, which means those guys were drawing 60 to 100 pages of comic material monthly. monthly. That's two to how many pages a day? I'm like, good Lord, as I sit here and think about that. And now knowing how long it takes to do such things, right? It's got to be at least five pages a day. Yeah, just just to guys. stay ahead of deadlines. Right. right. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's still edits, there's still all the rest of the, the minutia yeah. of, of comics. And how many how many titles was Jack Kirby working on concurrently? Oh. <laughs> I don't know how that man did not go insane. Yeah. I mean, how did he keep his marbles together writing so many th- I'm glad he wasn't around to see the Eternals <laughs> or yeah, whatever that movie was. I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, I was just talking, I was talking to somebody on, on social media this morning. I didn't think it was terrible. Um, it's not terrible. There are some redeemable things. Yeah. About it. Uh, I, I look at it like, like it's like connective tissue, right? Um, it, it sets up a lot of stuff that is clearly coming. Yes. Or if, if they follow through, cause it, you know, there's the whole there's the Celestials thing, which ties into Guardians, obviously, uh, and then you've got. Uh, I kind of suspect that they're kind of aiming for the appearance of Galactus, perhaps. Actually, he's my uh, he's my inside favorite for the big bad. Okay. For this new, because we had Thanos, mm-hmm. so my inside bet is Gal- is Galactus. Um, after that, it's the Beyonder. And mm, I think true. High Evolutionary plays in there somehow. Okay. Kang's not that big of a threat when you look at those other few Not characters. compared to Galactus, no. No. <laughs> but, but okay, so you've got Galactus. I mean, he's a Fantastic Four villain, right? Yes. Which which makes me wonder, hmm, mm. we got to have, like, are we going to have a good Fantastic Four movie? <laughs> fingers crossed. You know, fingers crossed, right? But uh, then my other one is the Beyonder. Okay. Which I think, because everyone, everyone keeps saying Secret Wars, Secret Wars, Secret oh, Wars. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I could see the Beyonder getting played in there. But the bad thing about Marvel is that we they've killed the villains as they've gone along. <laughs> they've made this tragic mistake. Spidey finally caught on and didn't kill the Vulture. Um, but they've whacked so many villains along the way that who do you have to come in on the other side? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I am saying it is probably Galactus. That makes perfect sense. I mean, the whole uh, spoiler—the whole last, the sort of final image of that movie 
made me think, oh, that looks an awful lot like, a lot like Galactus. Like huge, <laughs> huge so. likeness of Galactus. <laughs> when you were growing up, what was like the one comic you always had to have besides Conan? Was that was it just Conan? It was pretty Conan much was that. Love? And it was a and it was a mixture of everything else. There was a a mix of like Spider Man, Batman. Uh, for some reason, I liked What If a lot. Mm. Um, I got a bunch of those. Um, I've got some Fantastic Four. I've got a bunch of Avengers from like the late seventies and early eighties. Um, never got into X Men that much. I'm not sure why. Um, but some people really grew like really grooved on that right and and, and uh i don't know uh i've got i've got a few of those but you know when you've only got you know two dollars to go spend at the comic book rack it's right 60, 60 cents a book <laughs> at, 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 yeah 30 cents or yeah. depending upon where you are in your timeline there. right right <laughs> so <laughs> i think i'm making you younger than you are but yeah. i'll go with that 60 cents yeah right you know here. they were about they were probably 50 cents when i was okay at the height of my early Fan, fanhood. Right. How much do they influence you? How much of an influence are they still as you're sitting down and writing, creating these worlds? What have you pulled away from all of that? That's tough. That's, that's a good question. Um, I would say Robert E. Howard is one of my sort of formative writers. Right. Uh, him and Lovecraft uh, and Edgar Rice Burroughs mm-hmm. uh, are, are the probably the three writers who set my imagination on fire back when I was in high school. Right. Uh, and probably junior, uh, junior high. Um, so obviously you've got the Conan series. Of course. So, um, so that kind of, that kind of hero, that kind of, uh, storytelling still appeals to me. Um, I kind of think, uh, both well, you mentioned Rogues of the Black Fury and mm-hmm. uh, The Hammer Falls. Both of those, I think, are solidly in that vein. Gotcha. Um, and then I love, I still love the kind of weird cosmic horror uh, that Lovecraft wrote. I don't like, you know, all the racist stuff, but 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 his sandbox is fun to play in. It is. Uh, but um, so him, his stuff, and then Burroughs for the kind of you know, swashbuckling uh, science fiction romance kind of stuff. I just love that. I had realized recently, and I don't know why it took me so long, that I had I have been more in love with Matheson, Richard Matheson, than all, like, Lovecraft. Because I thought, oh, yeah, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. But then as I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, no, that's that's Matheson. Mm. That, that's, again, Richard Matheson. Yeah, also, he's awesome. <laughs> so when when you're doing that, what do you try to invoke, or where do what, where do you put your mind when you're you're creating your character, or or saying, okay, this is the qualities they have to have? Because I always hear, because at the writing seminars that I've done and I've visited, they're always like, well, the character gets away from me. So I, I've always wanted to like, just how does the character get away from you? you it, you're creating them, so how do they take on that own life? I, I think what they mean by that, people who say that, is the, is that their sub their subconscious is trying to tell a story that they have not yet, that their conscious mind hasn't yet recognized. Mm. Right. Um, because I mean, all of writing is largely born out of the subconscious, right? Right. Like, because there's something you have a cool idea, like, Oh, this would be so cool if, and then you go, and then you go that direction. Right. Right. Um, but then sometimes your characters start doing weird, like stuff that you didn't expect. Um, which I kind of think is what they're talking about. 
But at the same time, you're con- you're, I would say that your sub, I would argue that your subconscious knew exactly what it was doing the whole time, and you should just get on board with that. Right, get, get um, on, get on, the, get know, on that train. You know, unless it completely derails like the plot that you've been working on, then maybe you've got some, uh, some work to do <laughs> in figuring out. But uh, you know, um, uh, it's it's tough because. Uh, in one, there was a there was a book I was writing under my YA pen name T James Logan, where the the uh, the main character sort of got into a pickle and was like, "Well, shit, they're all dead." Like that, that, that's 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 it. I guess the book's over. You know, they're the they're <laughs> all gonna get eaten. They're all gonna get eaten. So I guess that's just it, right? And then I don't know. I I just sort of stopped trying to force it. And apparently, and, and just sort of after a few days of apparently mulling this over beneath the surface, I'm uh, I just like, well, why don't we just trust the character? Just okay. let the character do what they want to do, or do something that is a growth point for them. Oh, that's a great approach. Uh, and the dare to be great moments, right? Um, and holy shit, it worked. And like, okay. Uh, and I was really happy with how that scene uh, ultimately came out, but, um, but yeah, I mean, this is all about sort of playing with your inner five-year-old, your inner eight-year-old, right? You know. So when you do, because I know everyone has a different process. Do you do the outline? Do you have the like a wall of post-its with you know the outline for the chapters and all of that? Or I do is... now. I didn't used to. Okay. Uh, uh, it speeds it up. It's hard. I mean, um, I actually just. This last weekend, I finished a preliminary outline for the first book in a new series. Um, and it took a pretty solid week and a half of, of working almost exclusively on that. Oh, wow. Uh, but once you have the plot and the, and, and the scenes worked out, then you don't have to go back and think about all that stuff when you're in the writing process. You just write the scenes um, because they're all... Uh, so that so I, I think I think it is a faster way. Not everybody can, everybody has their own method, right? right? Their own process. And anyone who tells you that a given way is better is, you know, blowing smoke. Yeah, because so. everyone has always tried to sell me on that you need to do an outline. You need to do. I'm like, there's so many authors out there that I know do not do outlines mm-hmm. that just sit down and just pound out page after page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or appear to. <laughs> you know they fake it well everybody else makes it look so easy right <laughs> they do hell you make it look easy i mean oh it's not it's like pulling it's like pulling teeth really yeah okay yeah but i mean how many bourbon nights are we talking here <laughs> well um, you don't have to answer i'm just kidding i'm just playing with you uh i don't know i'm trying to i'm, I'm vacillating between a smart ass answer and a <laughs> And a, something, a true, uh, something semi-truthful. Uh, so let's just erase both and <laughs> shoot for, somewhere shoot for something else. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I do look forward to because you you brought that up. You know, this is how this ends, and it makes me laugh because your your newsletter comes out, and I'm a, I'm on your newsletter. Oh, okay, list, cool. So I have that pulled up, and of course you have the picture of you know uh, John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez writing the book of Boba Fett, <laughs> yeah. which is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And it, and this basic, I thought this was you at first. Because I was like, oh, look, it's a young Travis. Because with the blonde hair, could have been. Like, that could be you right there. It could have been, yeah. <laughs> I had I had a fair collection of Star Wars figures. And, 
And but I didn't have like the I didn't have the at at I didn't have the Millennium Falcon or any of the super cool big stuff. Right. You know, I had a I had a land speeder and uh, a couple of Tie Fighters. I had a couple of Tie Fighters. <laughs> had an X Wing. I had the Chicken Walker, the ATST. Uh, I yeah. never got the at at. I did have the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I always, but I always wanted the ad ad. It was never, it was never enough. <laughs> Shut up! Play with the toys you have. Exactly. Damn it. So but they, yeah, I just love that uh, that meme because it just so perfectly captures like what it what it means. I, I, I think people who want to write this kind of story need to have those looks on their faces. Mm-hmm. That, you know. A lot as they're doing it's like oh it'd be so cool if you know and honestly that is when when i think of them sitting and writing and it reminds me of something that um i went to a seminar with john cleese and it was something very profound that he had said in that and it really fits into that that you have to have time to play mm-hmm. if if you're not playing you're not doing it right and that's this is where the creative the creative side is it rests in us playing yeah that's the, that's the thing you got to be careful of. Like if professionals, if you're going to do this for money, if you're going to do this for a career, it is really easy. And I've I struggle with this. I have gone there. Is like, is that this just feels like work? Like it, uh, that sort of having to because there's always the there's the business side and there's the art side. Right. The art side means you have to be a little kid playing in their sandbox, but the business side requires that kid to play a certain kind of game. Um, it's like, no, don't Shut do up, it that way. You have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't do it that way. Do it this way. No. <laughs> so, so you just left fighting with yourself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, on the business side it is, it is very tricky. It is very, it is a very slopey side of the world. Cause right now you're dealing, cause you've done how many Kickstarters now? And I know you got one coming. I don't have any coming right now. Okay. I got four. I've I've done four. Uh yes, four. Uh four out of five funded. Wow. So congrats. That's yeah. that's Thanks. an achievement in itself. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, every every one of those is a, is a full-time job. So that's time you're not writing, you know. And it's and it's not easy. So where did you I mean, is it through trial and error that you pick up the business side or do you I mean, where because you're 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 adept at one or the other. Usually, it's rarely both. It's rarely both. Yeah. Um, for for me, the business side, I've having I've having to be dragged into it, kicking and screaming. Um, but that's the necessity if you're going to do this professionally. I mean, the the days of you know getting your first seven figure book advance are over. Those um, are long gone. Long gone. Uh, even people who were successfully publishing in the early 90s the business i mean in the aughts the business is different now um uh so i do my best to go to conferences and learn from the people who are doing it right who are doing it well like like just my one of my big tasks this last month or so has been to familiarize myself with facebook ads in such a way that it's not like setting $50, a $50 bill on fire. Right. Um, yeah, because so, that's the one, the algorithm sucks because it'll show you all these people it's been exposed to. Two, three, four, five thousand people. Mm-hmm. I got one like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't buy this for a freaking minute, you a-holes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's something you, like, you really have to be careful with. Uh, 
and it's, it takes a lot of trial and error. Facebook ads, Amazon ads, and the trouble is, is that all the things that you learn how to do are going to be obsolete in a few years, and you're going to have to learn how to do new things. Like the last year, it's been TikTok, right? That, that is, yeah. That's the newest thing, uh, the new... Uh, the new craze, the new, the the new, new shiny, the new big shiny, yep. right? Um, Nobody's using Twitter. Twitter's kind of phased itself out. Yep. Instagram's uh, kind of in that that bubble, and Facebook, unfortunately, is a necessity, a, a necessary evil. Exactly. That's the way I look at all of those. Um, and so, all of those bits of business. I mean, there there are so many moving business parts to an author career now that didn't exist ten or fifteen years ago. No. Uh, you know, you know, in, in 2000, you got, there were no eBooks yet, really. Uh, you got a, if you wanted to publish, you got yourself a literary agent or you went to a vanity press and paid someone exorbitant amounts of money to publish your book for you. Do uh, you think that the digital age has helped self-publishers or hindered self-publishers? It's definitely helped. I mean, it's kind of, it, it, uh, what it's changed is that... The screeners uh, are different now. Twenty years ago, the screeners were agents and editors. Right, right. They were picking and curating what everybody got to read. Right, but now everybody and their brother is putting out their own eBooks, um, and some of them are making bank on it. Um, yeah, and so, but and that puts the sort of changes the gatekeeper from editor agent. To the readers themselves, right? So they, um, they they control more of their own destiny. Yeah, the writers kind of control their own destiny in that they still have, but they have to be much more conscious about putting out a product that's appealing, right? Uh, so that means indie. If you're going to go the indie route, you need to know about covers. You don't have to know how to make them, but you know need to know what's good. Uh, you need to know how to. You need to know how to market. You need to know, know how to promote. Uh, and Well, even when we were doing Red's picture book, just just the math and the layout of the, the cover for that book was way, way harder than I thought it was going to be. I was just like, well, here, we just put it in and just size it. No, 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 no. <laughs> for every, every amount of pages, there's this and there's this. And, I mean, it is like a, a, like a complex algebraic formula. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this is way too much <laughs> yeah i but, mean if, if you're designing your own cover you got to know how many pages are in the book because that affects the spine size it and does. So, yeah so all this stuff you got to know all these different skill sets that are that are that are above and beyond actually knowing how to write and tell a story agent no agent i have had an agent in the past i do not currently um uh uh, I had a literary, it was a literary agent that sold Heart of the Ronin for the first time. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Richard, I thought that was all you. No, no. Uh, uh, Richard Curtis was my agent at that time. And, uh, he, he was great. Uh, but, you know, over, over years and career evolution, uh, and he, you know, he's, he got a little older. I think he went into, you know, semi-retirement. Um, I haven't talked, talked to him in a long time, but, uh, uh, but yeah, we were, uh, you know, had a, had a sort of a good relationship going on, and then you know, sort of like 
you know, marriages, they sometimes end, you know, <laughs> sometimes everything end. has its time yeah, and its place. Everything has a time and place. <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't found a strong need to have one since, uh, although I'm kind of toying with the idea now. I mean, right. I sort of cord it once in a while. Tiptoe around <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah. Eh, yeah. No. It's like the hokey pokey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, part of, I mean, uh, you know, I, I kind of have a hybrid career, what they call a hybrid career, where I've got some traditionally published stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got uh, some of my own indie published stuff, uh, and uh, I don't know. It's um, they're two very different worlds, uh, two completely different skill sets. One of the things that annoys me about the traditionally published world is, I mean, I'm uh, and, and and a lot of this has had to do with as I'm getting older, right? Um, I am no longer in a place where I'm willing to market a book to someone and not hear back for a year and a half. Oh, wow. Really? That takes that long? Well, it was the last time I submitted a novel to somebody. Holy uh, shit. One of the... There's no, re- there's no excuse for that these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, not for me, there's not. I mean, I... I, I your patience I kn- is down the mill, yep. is what you're saying. Yep. I, as I told my wife occasionally, I have less and less patience for for stuff that wastes my time sure. uh, because I have less and less of it, you know? Um, so, uh, I don't know, those kind of, de- I, I'm not willing to sort of tolerate those kind of delays because I know I can write. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pff, 16 novels. Uh, so, um, it's just a matter of, get, you know, writing something, getting it out there and trying to help it find its audience. Do you think we'll see it soon, or is it the end of the traditional publisher? I don't think so. They're still gonna. I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Right. Um, I mean, they're always. But they're be also. Need. But yeah, exactly. But they're also. Di- but they are also dinosaurs, um, clinging desperately to a system that was built sixty years ago. Uh, so, uh, honestly, um, indie publishers are feeding them their lunch. In the ebook market, uh, uh, like, but you know, traditional publishers, the big, the big New York publishers, keep ebook their ebook prices super high. And in fact, have gotten into trade wars with Amazon over it. Oh wow! Um, uh, because they are desperately trying to pr- protect the print market. All the Barnes and Nobles, all the indie bookstores, the ones who are stocking their paper copies. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Let them do their thing. Um, Meanwhile, the indies are selling millions of ebooks. Like, wow. Millions. Yeah. That's just, it's heartbreaking almost. I mean, because I do love, like, the feel of having a book. Oh, I do too. In I, my hands. I, I prefer print books still myself. Yes. Um, uh, but, but, the, but, the, but the publishing industry has, has bifurcated, and it's, and, the, and it's. Good word. It's continuing to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The indies are much more nimble. Uh, they can, they can. They're much more adept at farming the Amazon algorithm, um, and uh, that's how they're making their livings. I mean, and the print on demand. I, I for as much as a pain of an ass it was to set up. Once it was done, I mean that that <laughs> I can't knock that thing. Mm-hmm. That, that is a hell of a system. Order within a within a week two book printed. Bound, sent off to the yep. off and, to the person. Yeah, and they can do it with hardcovers now too. Yeah, uh, which is a relatively new development. I haven't 
I haven't sampled that. I haven't sampled the hardcover yet, yet either. Because I don't want to pay for the shipping. I'll just go down to the bookstore. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but the shipping is where I mean, yeah, we won't we won't talk about shipping because that's where they get you. <laughs> but I I'm yeah, because I'm so fascinated with the digital world and because I remember when it hit comics and everyone's like, this is the end of comics. And of course now we've seen a resurgence of comics and, and the books and all that. And I'm I'm hoping we see the same with print novels, but I don't I don't know. When you see a Barnes and Noble have an E section, like that whole center kiosk, and then now mm. it's gone. Now it's gone. You're like, so was it a success? <laughs> How did that well, story end? <laughs> that is, uh, that's complicated. I mean, uh, but you did mention like comics mm-hmm. and something that Amazon has done recently that I think is going to help with e comics. Well, one of the hard things that, that, kept me away from electronic comics uh, is that they're basically PDFs that you're trying to read on a small screen. Pretty much. Which is a huge pain in the ass to mm-hmm. do. Um, yeah, because I'm blowing up the picture just so I can read Just so you can the read bubble. the panels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, they've got uh, uh, the capability. Uh, I know this because I set my Ronin comics up this way. Okay. Um, uh, base, I forget what they call it, but it's a way to basically zoom in on your e-reader or your screen panel by panel and read each panel individually. Oh, wow. So, so you, it's, it's kind of, it's analogous to, uh, your, the way your eye travels down a comic book page, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you just, as you click along, you're moving from panel to panel, uh, as opposed to from page to page. Um, I which, like which, that. yeah, it's cool. It may, it makes, it makes the comic reading experience a whole lot easier than having to sort of constantly mess around with your screen trying to zoom in uh, to read a, what's effectively a PDF. Yeah, because, I mean, that's I, I get mine on my computer, and, and that's where I'll read my, my books for the week. And if I like it, I'll go buy it. But that, that list is getting smaller and smaller. Are you buying any books these days? Are you reading anything? Uh, I'm not actively buying any titles right now. Right. Uh, I just go in and browse occasionally and pick out stuff that I think looks cool. Uh, there was a series I saw recently called The Lot. Um, I forget the name of the publisher, but it was about um, it was about a film uh, a filmmaker. It was a horror comic about a filmmaker. It was in mostly black and white, uh, which sort of like little splashes of color, you right? Know, super. And, and, oh, so kind of like the, uh, like old Jim Lee style, where it's, or uh, Sin City, where it's like yes. black and white, and then you have like the the yellow bastard or whatever. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, and that was that was a really cool. The art in it was amazing, uh, very sort of weird and kind of surreal. Uh, good stuff. Uh, the lot was under uh, things from another world. Lot number one. It is under yeah other. Doesn't say yeah things from another world. Interesting. Okay, I'll pick that up. Yep, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. I like it. It looks very noir. It is. It's very noir. Uh, it, it really reminded me of uh, a Netflix series recently that uh, was called Brand New Cherry Flavor. Uh, I saw that. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I loved it. Uh, it's, it is weird and disturbing and creepy as hell. It uh, looks like yeah. it. Horror, sci-fi, or Western? I refuse to choose. I'll, p- <laughs> 
I'll throw all three of them into, put all three of them into the same pot and stir, simmer, simmer on low for 24 hours and <laughs> see what you get. Is that what we're looking forward to? Cause you have your, your, your film video that we were talking about off mic and mm-hmm. hopefully knock on wood that you'll have it ready for Colorado festival of horror. Yes. Yes. Tell us about that. Walk oh. us through that process. Okay. So it's a, uh, uh, last year I shot a short, a horror comedy short film called demon for hire. Uh, I've come, it's in, I've got it in post-production right now. Um, and, uh, it's about, uh, a, uh, a demon who is a private eye, uh, who helps mortals with their problems whilst corrupting them to the dark side. Uh, and our, our hero, damned if you do damned, if you don't, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and our hero is a little blue Muppet. <laughs> so awesome. And yeah, and I got a really great, uh, some really great creature effects in it and uh, a really fabulous cast. And I had an awesome crew to help put this thing together. And uh, now I'm the slow mule in the mule train trying to edit it all. Together. Editing is a bitch. Oh, it so, is. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've, fi- I've finished more films than I've seen completed <laughs> from the editing process. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, so. Yes. Oh, too well. <laughs> so how close or, I mean, do you think you'll have it by September? Yes. Um, okay. I'm at about the halfway point in the editing process. Um, I'm at the point now where I'm just lamenting all the shots that we didn't get. You know, it's like, oh, we should have done that. It's like, oh, we should have done. And then um, a few weeks ago, where I'm, I'm kind of snagged on this right now, is that there was a whole half a scene that we just didn't shoot. That we like it was half of a telephone conversation, right? Uh, the, Here comes the B-roll, uh, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, I've got to get a voiceover uh, from our uh, puppeteer uh, to sort of fill in those blanks, but, right? But, uh, but I'm I, I'm really happy with the footage that we got. It, uh, it's we got some really cool stuff. It's going to be amazing, I think, when it's done. That's that's my hope. How long? Uh, I, it's probably going to be around fifteen minutes. Oh wow! Okay, so that is a short. Mm-hmm. So after your experience, do you want to do more of this, or are you going to we'll see? Like... <laughs> uh, I think I would do more. You know, I've already been kicking around the idea of doing this as kind of like a web series, but it would require some fairly significant financial backing, right? Um, or some devoted fans. A lot of devoted helper. fans, yeah. Um, so uh, it probably a lot of it depends on the reception this gets uh, when I'm done. Because I can see Ronin as a series, absolutely. I, I think it'd be awesome. I um, think it would be too. Question is though, live action or animated? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, so you can do what? Kill Bill it, where it's like live right, action right. until like the murder scenes, and exactly, then you switch yeah. over to the anime style. <laughs> yeah, until we have to start using special effects. <laughs> Then we'll just go live action. But as soon as we get monsters and <laughs> and uh, you know beheadings and things like that, well, then we'll go with the, we'll go with anime for those, right? <laughs> totally, it would work. <laughs> Oren style, just it would be perfect. Um, that kind of is all my questions, Travis. Oh man, do you want more? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm man. having I'm having a good time. We're at an hour, believe it or not. We're right about an hour. Wow. See how quickly it goes. What else you got going on? I know I know you got your last Kickstarter done. Yeah. So what's what's on the horizon? What what what's um, de- what's I'm, on the the vision board? I'm developing a new lit RPG series. Oh. Uh, 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 
novel series. Okay. Uh, for the, with this with Shadow Alley Press, the same publisher who did uh, uh, my uh, Shinjuku Shadows series. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's kind of going to be the big thing this year is trying to get that done. Uh, aside from the movie, the uh, yeah. So, the beginning of the year. You sat down and you're like, I'm going to do these many novels. Mm-hmm. What was that number? Four. Okay. Four or five. Okay. Have you come back from that now and gone to two? No. <laughs> no, uh, because one of them, you know, two of those are going to be uh, ghost written. Uh, they're oh, okay. uh, for other people. Um, but then three of my own, so that's five. So <laughs> if I'm going to do the Lit RPG series, I need to have all of them done this year or shortly thereafter. Um, so. That is what I miss. I miss the choose-your-own-adventure books. I remember those back in the day, and those were just so much fun, and adding, like, a die component to it, I think, would be even, like, roll a six-sided. Seven. Turn to page 42. (laughs) Yeah, I love those, too. And I've actually, I've thought about doing something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that would be fun. I mean, because I've got a ton of experience with, like, game design and things like that, too, so. And nobody's doing it, which I, I, I mean, I know print is dying, but I still think that would be... Kind of a fun, fun component. I wonder why. Um, it kind of because I hear I hear people talk about it, so mm-hmm. that makes me wonder that there might be some sort of I don't know uh, legal deterrent. Uh, like if someone comes out with one of these, the choose your own adventure people come along and put the trademark smackdown, whack, whack a mole yeah, on you, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I don't know. Um, that I don't know. Something to look in. See, these are the things that, that cross my mind constantly. But the lit, the lit RPG is fun, though. I mean, I, I was not an early adopter, but now that I've read some of those books, I'm like, okay, I get it now. And it's it's mm-hmm. fun. I really enjoy it. Uh, 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 the perfect example that I've seen is the movie Free Guy, which I, I, I thought was brilliant. I think that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I loved... The entire, the whole dynamic of that movie was just Mm -hmm. so well done. And minus Ryan Reynolds, who thankfully was not Deadpool. (laughs) Well, he only has one character that he ever plays. Yes. Right? (laughs) So, so, and that's fine. It's Paul Rudd. It's, it's, it's Ryan Reynolds. You, you know who you're getting when you walk in. (laughs) Yep. But it works so well. Yep. Yep. uh, Because he's, uh, you know. He plays Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. and Ryan Reynolds is fun to hang out with for two hours. So, there you go. Uh, and uh, I mean, I watched his movie The Proposal with Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock yeah, yeah. Um, that I I just like last week. And uh, yep, same guy, same character, same character. <laughs> well, any I just watched. It's funny that you say that because I, I I thought of that because I watched um, Red Notice. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Which is a great film. Again, two Same hours guy. of Ryan Reynolds, yeah. and he's on a boat, which made me think, oh, look, it's just like in Proposal where he's driving up. He must really like boats. Yeah. And he's he, hanging out with Wonder Woman and the Scorpion King. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a tough day. But that film is so fun and engaging and just, it's just a lark. I liked it a hell of a lot more than I liked a lot of, like, you know, the D-plus Marvel films and that nonsense that they're throwing at us. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is fun. Give me more of that. Mm-hmm. Do, when you watch these things, do they influence you? Do you think of like, okay, I need to be more like that or more like this? How much of that do Probably. you walk away with? Probably. Uh, I mean, um, a lot of times if I see a really good idea uh, in, a, in, a, in a story, a movie, 
whatever it is. I think my my brain kind of comes away chewing on it, mm-hmm. and it will probably emerge somewhere un- unexpectedly. Um, so yeah, because I always wonder because I, I I don't want to get like be plagiarizing anybody, but at the same point, you're like, yeah, that's a God, that would be great to do it this way and that mm-hmm. way. Exactly. But there are so many different iterations. Yeah, exactly. Um, how do they follow you? How do they get your newsletter? Because I'm looking at your your newsletter this week, which is absolutely often awesome. I, I, I want to buy you a coffee, but I gave you a bottle of water instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, my my website is travisherman.com, and Herman is spelled with two e's and two n's. It's Herman with an extra e and an extra n. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram uh, and TikTok. I've got a couple of videos up on TikTok. Did you do it? I haven't been. Yeah. I, I don't have the bandwidth. That's where you can TikTok. go see my little blue demon. Oh, uh, I've got okay. some videos of him up there, sort of. All right, I'll go being in character. I'll go check it out. Uh, so that yeah, um, yeah, you can subscribe to my newsletter. It's on my website. Um, so yeah, I'm a pretty easy guy to find. Just you, Google. Just Google you. Um, any parting words? I know you no longer have your tiki critiki. Yeah, yeah, the Critiquey Party podcast, which which is a, is a crying shame, but I understand why. So, what what were your final words, or what are your parting words of wisdom to to the authors and and the the millions of fans around the world? Oh, authors, sure. uh, authors keep writing, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, fans, um, thank you for reading. Um, and if you've read my stuff, let me know, you know let me know what you think of it. I would I. I would love to hear, honestly. Do you not get a lot like a feedback? Because I, I, I talk to other authors, and they're like, I never hear anything. I sell, but no one ever comes up until it's like signing, and then, you know, it's the same platitudes. Well, I, uh, as far as like emails and stuff like that, mm, over the course of the, since Heart of the Ronin came out, which is where I'll start counting, which was 2009, I don't know, I've probably got less than 40 email like fan mails wow but some of them have been quite extraordinary so i mean i uh i have a few that are in my sort of heart-shaped box you know uh, as far as like okay yeah i am what i'm doing is important and it has an impact they're not trolly or you know all right yeah well, that, that actually kind of redeems my faith in, in society, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, and we all need some of that yeah, lately. We all need a lot of that. <laughs> all right. Well, Travis, I'm going to let you out of here. Well, thank you for having me. No, I really appreciate thank it, you for Smurf. sitting in. Um, let us know when the next Kickstarter is in. I want to see the film, at least, you know, maybe the, the, the dailies or something. Oh, I'll let you know. Uh, I, wanna, I, want you, I want you for Colorado Festival 4. Yeah, I know we're yeah, t- yeah. accepting applications right now, so... Um, that would be fun. Yeah, I'm hoping to do that. Well, guys, that wraps this up. Uh, give us a like. Give us a share. Uh, go over to Travis's website. The link is in the description below. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>